The Great Commission has been a staple mark within the church since the very beginning of the uh, church history. That started all the way back when Jesus ascended in heaven. I'm glad to see some squirming in right now because I, I just like to see this full. I mean, it's like Brianna said, let's just keep on adding some chairs because we have more coming and more came. Isn't this exciting? Yes, sir. Hey, I'm excited for you being here because we're studying a, a new portion of scripture. And we're diving into uh, a new series. Are you ready? And uh, we're going to study the Great Commission. And like I said, it, it's been a staple mark in the Christian community from the moment Jesus has ended into heaven until now. But there's a misunderstanding about the Great Commission. So in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus has a meeting with three different groups, groups of people. The first group of people was these 11 disciples. 11 because one of them is missing, being Judas. We know the reason why. Uh, then there's another group of people he's meeting with. It's 489 brethren, believers in Jesus Christ. And then there's a third group of people he's meeting with, and that's us. Now, we weren't there physically, but textually, we've been invited to be a part of this meeting. So the, the, this meeting is centered around two, two words, Great Commission. Now, the words Great Commission are not found in the Bible. But the definition of the Great Commission is found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. What's the last word there? Amen. Amen. Let's try that again. What's the last word? Amen. Amen. Stay with me because I'm going to give you just some simplistic things, but I'm going to ask you to respond a little bit, okay? So I don't want to make you feel like you're in class, but I want you to make sure, I want to make sure you're with me, focusing. So Jesus gave the church, the believers, this mission. Imagine this, Captain Jesus, the ones in charge, issued to us to do a mission. Now, by his authority has been given this. Now, the authority is mentioned in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, the verse just before verse 19. And it says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, it's interesting. The word power uh, is not the normal Greek word we see in Scripture and other portions of, of, of Scripture, specifically Dumas, which means strength and power, almost like dynamite. This particular word is dealing with authority. It's not just power. He's been giving authority. And this is what's really interesting about us. We have been given the same authority. Now, we are not the Son of God. But he's empowered us with the authority to fulfill the Great Commission. By the authority of Jesus, we now are commissioned to represent him. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has been given the authority by God himself, and then we have been duly authoritated with these, this great commission. Now, let's pray, and then we'll dive into this. Everybody with me? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, today I pray, Lord, that you'll help me and everybody that's in this room to clear their mind, to focus on your word, and for us to really get exactly what you need us to get out of this portion of Scripture. Help us to focus. Help us to have a good time together as we learn your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 20, the Bible says, Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ. The Great Commission 
is God's mission for the Christian. Let me say that again. The Great Commission is God's mission for the Christian. We have a duty and a responsibility as believers to fulfill the Great Commission. We've been commissioned by the heavenly kingdom to, in our commander, Jesus Christ, to fulfill the Great Commission. It's not an option. And let me remind you, the Great Commission is to see people come to know Christ and become disciples, followers of Jesus Christ. It's not an option. The great missionary Hudson Taylor said the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. So there's a problem. And, and I believe the problem is with us. The problem is when it comes to the Great Commission, most churches feel that they're doing it, or at least they think they're doing it, but they're actually missing what they're supposed to be doing. When I, grow, oh, I was growing up in Alabama, we didn't go to shooting ranges. We all had guns. You don't live in Alabama unless you have a gun. You got a gun when you're five years old, you got a BB gun. And then you're 10 years old, you got yourself a 22. And then you're 15 years old, you probably got a couple of shotguns. And then you move up the ladder and you finally get that day where you can own your own pistol. And then you get into assault rifles. Ooh, it's so exciting, right? We lived in the country. We'd go in the backyard. I didn't know what a shooting range was. We'd go into the backyard and we didn't have earplugs. We didn't have safety glasses. We didn't have paper targets. We just found whatever was in the yard and we shot it. Now, it wasn't breathing. I'm talking about items like uh, cans, and we'd find two-liter bottles in Alabama. They have three liters, and we'd set them up, and we'd shoot them. And we'd, we thought we really knew what we were doing. I mean, we thought we knew how to hit the target until we went to a real shooting range where you were required to wear safety glasses, and you are required to wear, uh, you know, um, plugs in your ears to protect your ears, and then... We realize there's a target, and, they, they, and they, they give you a distance, maybe 10 yards, 5 yards, 15 yards. And on that target, it had, it had a bullseye. And when we started shooting, we realized we weren't as good as we thought we were. We never hit the target. Because when you're hitting a bit, a, a, an old wrecked car that you drug out of the woods or something that you were having to haul off because we hauled off a lot of things out of our yard, buses and cars because the guy that owned it was a mechanic. So we literally would mow the lawn and find, find vehicles like the Redneck Joe. But when you had a real target to focus on and shoot, we realized we weren't ever hitting the target because we weren't prepared to hit the target. We thought as rednecks living in Alabama, we had it all figured out because we had a gun. We knew what the gun could do, but we never once hit the target. Let me say this. The point is simple. We as the church understand the concept of the Great Commission, but we're missing the target of the Great Commission. The target is to make disciples followers of Jesus Christ. We all understand that. At least if you grew up in church, you would understand the concept of the Great Commission, especially if you went to a missions conference. Why are we missing the, the mark? What's the problem in the church? I believe the reason why we are not properly fulfilling the Great Commission is because we don't have the right understanding of it. That's the, that's the issue. We haven't been properly trained to do the mission that we've been given. And, and it's not because Jesus dropped the ball when he when he declared the Great Commission to these 489 brethren and, and these 11 disciples, he gave us everything we need. 
We're, we're equipped with everything we need. It's like having a gun and all the ammo. Just not knowing what to do with it. Just not knowing how to shoot it. We, 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 we're not precise with it. We're, we're spiritually gunslingers and we just don't know how to use the gun. We've been equipped and prepared, but we have to be trained. So here's what we're going to do. Today, I, I want to talk about your mission and my mission, okay? Let's, let's try that together. I'm going to talk about your mission. Say it with me. Your mission. My mission. Oh, let's try it again. Say my mission. How about that? My, my mission. mission. Say it one more time. My because I am fully confident as believers, we may think we're hitting the target when it comes to our mission or <laughs> missing it. And I've missed it for years and years, even while I was in the ministry. So what we're going to do is we're going to take, uh, take some time. We're going to do a three-week series. Are you ready? It's time to share your faith. And I'm going to break it down in three ways. One, I'm going to talk about your mission. That's today. It's an overview. Next week, we're going to talk about your story. And then we're going to talk about your disciple. Because everybody needs a disciple. We need to be disciple makers. But today we're going to talk about your mission. And it begins in verse 19 with one word. And that word is go. Go ye therefore. The first part of your mission is action. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says, Go ye therefore. Verse uh, Mark kind of reflects on this. It's a, a shadow of this. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world. The action of the mission is to go. The action of the mission is to go. If you think you're fulfilling your mission by doing ministry within the walls of the church, then you've missed it. You see, the Great Commission has never been within the walls of the church. It's something that we misunderstood for generation after generation. We, church culture is programmed, the church, to think that if we can get people to come to church and get them in a discipleship class, we're fulfill, fulfilling the Great Commission. But that's not necessarily true. Now, does that help us fulfill the Great Commission? Absolutely. Given the gospel in church and seeing people come to know the Lord, yes, that's part of the Great Commission. But to fulfill your mission, it starts outside of the walls. The Great Commission, like I said, has never been within the walls of the church. Your mission requires you to go, keyword there, go outside of what you know to give people what they need. To go outside of what you know to give people what they need. Now watch this. This is important because I feel like this is where we're missing it. Your mission cannot be accomplished without going. The go is the action, and the action is to be global and local. It's to be global and local. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Mark 16, 15 says, go ye into all the world. I think Paul makes it a little bit more clear in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You as believers, you're empowered. You're to be a witness, and should be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, it's in the backyard, it's, in the, it's our neighbors, it's going to be in the cities next to us, but also it goes outside of that, it goes in other countries. For us, that would be Powell, it'd be Delaware, it's going to be, it's going to be right here in Dublin, but it also goes further than that. 
It goes into Germany and France, and we're going to have the opportunity to reach into other countries like Italy. And here's the thing. We may not physically go. We might just financially supply somebody with the opportunity to go. But we are still responsible outside the walls of the church to go because the action of the mission is to go. And action is represented by dedication. Let me say that again. Action is represented by dedication. What are you committed to? What in your life is so important that it's become priority to you? What in your life are you not willing to ever back down from? Say, I eat right. I work out. I have a hobby I will always do because I love it. I'm involved in sports. I don't know. I, maybe I have a dedication to my spouse. That's a good thing. I'm dedicated to my children. All those things aren't bad things, but I'm going to tell you what the problem is. And the problem is, is this. We prioritize everything outside of, of God. We forget that the Great Commission means that there is a call to be dedicated. There will never be action without dedication. If you believe in something, you will act on what you believe in. Would you agree with me on that? The same goes with your mission. You are, if you are willing to act on it, then you're willing to go and do it. So my question for you is, on 9-11, where were you? When 9-11 took place, can you remember where you were? Because on 9-11, 19 Islamic extremist terrorists made a decision to hijack four planes. Four U.S. passenger planes, and they took those planes, two of them of which they flew into the Twin Towers, the World Trade Centers in New York, and bringing them tumbling down to the ground. Another one flew into the Pentagon just outside of Washington, D.C. Another one never made it to its target, but and crashed in the fields of Pennsylvania. Thousands of people died. 2,977 people died. Why did these people die? The reason is because this disaster took place because of 19 men, 19 men that were dedicated to their mission and they took action. The planes, just before they crashed, had this, these words echo through their chamber. And that is, Allah is God. Why? Because in the name of their God, they brought havoc to the whole nation. If evil men in the name of a false God can change a nation because of their dedication, how much more can we as believers in Jesus Christ in the name of the true living God as disciples change the nation? It starts with dedication. I do not believe that your action to the mission going can happen unless you are dedicated. Action is represented by dedication. Now, action is also represented by submission. It's submitting yourself. To go means to declare your allegiance to God. Nobody joins the army, flies to another country to fight for freedom unless they believe in the cause. Correct? Y'all yes. with me? Yes. Ain't nobody going to do that. If they don't believe in America, they're not going to do it. If they don't believe in our freedom, they're not going to do it. They do it because they have an allegiance. They pledge allegiance to America. They're not ashamed. 
And the same goes when it comes to the action of the mission to go. You, you, you have to be dedicated, but you also have to have submission. It means you have an allegiance to God to submit to whatever his will is, regardless if it's, if it's comfortable or not. Because doing God's will sometimes is so uncomfortable. Doing the mission can be uncomfortable. Is everybody with me so far? Y'all focused? Do we need to take a break and go to the coffee shop? Because if we do, we can do that. I'm okay with that. Christian said yes. Action. Nobody likes to take action because it requires you to do something. I will let the trash pile up until it looks like a mountain before I want to get up off the couch, take it out because it requires action. But then there's this submission that takes place to my wife. So I get up off the couch and I take the trash out because I want to make sure I'm submitting to my lovely wife that says, please take out the trash because your son never does. So I do. The point is simply this. Action is represented by submission. In submission to God, the mission is difficult because it takes us out of our comfort zone to fulfill his will. But the only way to fulfill the command of the Great Commission is to be in submission to the commanding officer, Jesus Christ. The action of the mission is to go. The action, say it with me, the action of the mission is to go. Is to go. The action is represented by your dedication, but your action is also represented by your submission. Now that seems simplistic, a little bit cliche. Let's get a little deeper. Number two, the proclamation of the mission is to teach. The proclamation of the mission is to teach. What am I doing right now? I'm teaching. Because I feel like, like the redneck standing in his backyard that's shooting at a target and thinking he's doing well. I feel as if the church, including Thrive at times, is missing the target. So I am teaching y'all in me to focus on the word of God and what the mission is and how to fulfill it. And here's where we're at. The proclamation of the mission to teach. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Greek word preach is to proclaim. Now this is going to be deep, I know. You're going to be like, whoa. To proclaim requires you to communicate. Yes. So proclamation requires communication. Let me say that again. Proclamation to proclaim, requires communication. I think Paul might have been a little sarcastic here. I find a lot of Paul's writings a little bit as if he has a little bit of sarcasm. But in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, he says this, speaking to the church, how then shall they call on him who they've not believed? And here's the sarcasm. And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? He's like, come on, peeps. You cannot expect people to get what you get if you don't communicate it. And they can't, you can't communicate it unless you teach it and you preach it. Here's the thing. We can't expect people to know if we don't tell them what they need to know. Yeah. The Grammy, Sam Smith, wore his red leather britches, put on his top hat that had horns, and he represented Satan. And he had all these half-naked women dancing around him. One was a transvestite. I cannot believe he did that. He should know better. Well, he don't know better. Are you making an excuse for him? No, I'm not making an excuse for him. I'm just telling you. We as believers expect everybody to know the name of Jesus Christ. We expect everybody to know the processes of the church. That this is the way we do things. 
But the reality is this, proclamation of the mission is to teach. And the reason we have to communicate to teach is because people don't know. People don't know. I know that's shocking, but that's why Paul in a sarcastic manner said, how are they going to know and believe unless we preach? How? We have to communicate. We are to verbally communicate the gospel. Now, lifestyle evangelism isn't going to get it done. So what's lifestyle evangelism? It means that I don't have to say anything to you about Jesus Christ. All I have to do is let the light shine. Glory to God. That's beautiful and wonderful, and I believe that. We are the light of the world. People should see an example in us. But the reality is this. Please don't miss this. This is very important. The reality is truth sharing is verbal. Let me say it again. Truth sharing is verbal. It's time to get vocal about Jesus Christ. The proclamation of the mission is to teach. Proclamation requires communication. But it also, proclamation requires identification. You see, there's an identification tied to your proclamation. If you are representing a company and you're in sales, you're going to identify yourself with that company. Y'all with me? You're not going rogue and just representing yourself. You're representing the people that are producing the product. So there's an identification tied to the proclamation. You, what you communicate to others about Jesus Christ marks your identification with Jesus Christ. Now this might seem minute to you. This might not seem very important to you. But there's a point in your life that you will have to make a decision when it comes to your identification. You are not willing to identify yourself with Christ, then Christ will not identify you with him. Y'all follow me? Yes, Let me give you two reasons why some people don't find their prayers to be answered. Number one, this side note, because you have sin in your life and you haven't got it resolved. You're living in sin intentionally. Say, so I just want God to bless. I want God to work. And God is convicting you and say, this isn't right what you're doing. But you're saying, I don't care. I'm going to continue doing this. And so in Isaiah, I believe it's 59, the children of Israel did the same thing. And God said, listen, my hand is not too short that I cannot save, and my ear is not too heavy that I cannot hear. Interesting way of saying it. But he said, but your sin, your iniquity has separated us. I'll never leave you or forsake you, but you've got a wedge between me and you. That's one reason why our, our prayers don't get answered. But another reason why our prayers don't get answered is because of this idea that we do not want to identify ourselves with Christ. In other words, we're ashamed. We're ashamed. We don't want to cause controversy. We can talk about God, but when it comes to the name of Jesus, let's just veer away from that. Jesus said this, if you choose to do that, if you're ashamed of me, then I, in return, will be ashamed of you. And when I stand before my Father, I will be ashamed of you because you did not declare me. Are y'all following me? Yep. See, Jesus makes intervention for us. We don't need a priest. We are able, as believers, to approach the throne of grace, the throne of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, and he makes intervention for us. But when we choose... When we choose to deny Jesus or not represent him or not to identify with him, then there's a problem. We just reached out to a number of schools just to give them gifts from our church. Hundreds of gifts. Every gift was in a bag. And on that bag, it had a fun saying, germs in Jesus are everywhere. Something, something, something from Pinterest, right? <laughs> I don't 
don't remember. But I do remember this. It had the name of Jesus on there. This was it. A little something to help you prepare because Jesus and germs are everywhere. I was close. I was so excited. I'd call the school and let them know what's in there. We have hand sanitizer. We have these sanitary wipes. We have a little pad of paper. We have a pen from our church. We just wanted to give you this. Now, was I thinking about the fact that it said Jesus? Not really. Had a school call me and said, hey, can you? They were so kind, so sweet. She felt so bad. She said, can you, can you come back and pick up all these gifts? Six boxes, 130 gifts. I said, sure. I mean, is there a problem? She said, yeah. She said, we're a diverse school, and we got to be very careful. We can't have the name of Jesus. Why is that? Because they don't want to be identified with Jesus. You see, when it comes to the mission, the proclamation of the mission is to teach. And proclamation requires communication, but proclamation also requires identification. If you want Jesus to represent you to the Heavenly Father, then you better represent Him here on earth. There is no shame. Paul said it in a beautiful way in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, now watch this, of Christ. Key, Christ. We don't just represent God, we represent a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It is a responsibility for us to embrace the identification. Now, the proclamation also requires interaction. Now, I don't want to lose you here. You can't teach people unless you're involved with people. I know some of y'all are cringing. You're freezing up because we have some introverts. I know, it's tough. My wife is an introvert. You may not think that, but at times she really struggles socializing with people. But you must learn to get in people's lives. Now, here we are. How many of you are introverts? Raise your hand. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah, I am surprised you did raise your hand. Extroverts, how many of you say, I'm outgoing, I just I love to talk to people. Raise your hand like you mean it. Oh, we know some of you like to talk, that's for sure. I got good news and bad news for you introverts. Let's start with the bad news. You're not asked, you're commanded to get in people's lives. And if you're not doing that, you're not fulfilling the Great Commission. And not only that, you're disobeying the Great Commission. Your commander, Jesus, has said to you and to me, you must do this. You say, well, I, I can verbally communicate without getting in people's lives. No, that's an impossibility. Let me tell you something. There's something about an interaction with people that breaks down walls and allows people to open up to you and you open up to them. And as we're going to hear next week, give your story and life start to change. Mentorship is a necessity in America because we don't see it. Just go to a public school and you'll know what I'm talking about. Something's missing. I'm talking about proper mentorship. And in order to getting people's lives to make disciples, you better make a decision that you can intentionally interact with people. Make a decision to step out of your comfort zone. Now, let me give you good news about being an introvert. God will never ask you to do something that he has not equipped you to do. Right. Oh, you say that's so cliche, Dave. It is somewhat cliche, but it is a reality. He's not going to ask you. Jesus is not going to give the Great Commission and ask an introvert to go out and get in people's lives unless he empowers you to do it. Right. 
In other words, you have an ability that you don't even realize yet. My favorite character, the greatest superhero that ever existed outside of Jesus Christ is Superman. And as you know, I love Superman. But Superman didn't start off flying. Superman didn't start off running fast. He may have had a super strength in the beginning as a little boy, but he developed those things as he grew. He learned them as he went. The problem is, is people say, I can't do it. I can't be a communicator. I can't, I, I, I can't get in people's lives. I know it's required to interact with people and have this interaction. I just can't do it. But I'm going to tell you something. You have the power and the ability within you. All you have to do is step out of your comfort zone and try it. And as you try it, things are going to start developing and happening. And you're going to go, wow, I didn't know I can do this. Yeah. No, you ain't going to be able to fly. You ain't going to have laser vision and all these other wonderful things that Superman had. But you will have the ability to change a person's life by getting in their life. The problem is we aren't willing to try. You know what that's called? Missing the target. People say the church is going to fill up. We need to grow. We need to grow. We need people to fill up these chairs. Well, you think they're just going to go, hey, there's a library and there's a lot of people in there and, and they're singing. I think I want to go. I, I want to do this. I have news for you. Maybe if they have some familiarity with church, they might be that way. But the reality is, if they don't know, if we don't get in their lives, if we don't step out of our comfort zone and fulfill the Great Commission and, and, and communicate and identify ourselves as believers and interact with people, they're not going to come. Y'all follow me? Where does it start? I believe. I believe when the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And then the Bible says every person in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. That means it's going to start right where you're at and outside of where you're at. Not everybody's going to go on the mission field, but you might have an opportunity one day. But here's where it does start. It starts right where you're working. It starts right where you go to school. It starts with that interaction and inviting. That's how somebody, some people right here in this room came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because somebody had an interaction with them. The Great Commission. The proclamation of the mission is to teach. The proclamation requires communication. It requires identification. And it requires interaction. The proclamation of the gospel is not to be separated by race or culture. Nobody is separate from the gospel. We are required to go to every color, every race, every culture and reach people for Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus made it very clear. It's not just about the Jew. It's not about the Gentile. It's about everybody. And the Great Commission means everybody needs to know and that requires an interaction even with the ones that you're not comfortable with. So well, they're Muslim. It doesn't matter. So well, they come from a different background that I'm just not used to. It doesn't matter. You have a you have a responsibility. Number three, the completion of the mission is duplication. This is the last thing. This is how he closes it out. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now watch this. The completion of your mission is duplication. You say, how do I know I've done the mission? How do I know it's complete? How do I know it's fulfilled? Well, we're not killing people, so we don't have that. We're not going to check off anybody's name that 
we assassinated him, we're good to go. No, we have a duty and a responsibility to duplicate ourselves. Whew, that's scary. But not who we are and the wickedness that we have and our odd personalities, but Christ followers. We are, we are to duplicate disciples. When I was at our Sending Church Fellowship, I had a responsibility to oversee uh, big events. Part of those big events was Easter, an Easter drama. And then we had skits for VBS. And we'd have this thing called Dinner Show. And we had a script and a skit that was involved with that. And what did you find in my office? Iris would know this because she worked with me with this. You're going to find two piles. One pile is going to say master copy. You don't mess with a master copy. And the other one's just going to say copy. Now, if Iris came in, she's going to take the master copy and make copies of the script. And then we're going to take the copies and distribute them to everybody that needs to read them and learn what's in the script. You all follow me? Yeah. Duplication requires you to take what the master has given you and give it to those so they can learn and they can teach others also. We are only looking at the master. We, ain't, we don't have him here physically, but we have everything he's given us that we need to produce and duplicate. Here's a stern question. Who in your life is a duplication of you? Who in your life have you discipled, have you mentored, and now is following Jesus Christ? It's a good question. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're a seasoned Christian, you've been at this for a while, and you can say, I ain't got nobody in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't want to know, I don't want you to raise your hand, but here's the reality. You are not fulfilling the Great Commission. It's going to get real bad right now. It's going to get real bad because I have to tell you, you have failed to complete your mission. There's a problem. You say, well, how do I fix the problem? Well, I believe fixing the problem is understanding this process of duplication. To complete the mission, there has to be duplication. Duplication comes by reproducing. You have to reproduce what you know, Christ followers. you got to make Christ followers. That's what a Christian is, a follower of Jesus Christ. How do I accomplish this? Well, duplication comes through salvation. People are not going to be Christ followers unless they're believers. Listen to what the Word of God says. It says, Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Mark said to preach. Now that word teach is also translated to make disciples, right? Yep. You can't become a disciple unless you're a believer. In other words, you have to give people the gospel. If you want to duplicate... If you want to complete the mission and duplicate this duplication, there has to be salvation. You have to invest in people's lives and give them truth. Duplication comes through immersion. The word is baptism. Matthew 28, verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The, word, the Greek word baptizo means to emerge. We get that word from dye makers at the time of Christ. A dye maker would take fabrics and dye them. Obviously, at that time, if somebody, a mother, wanted to have a garment for their daughter, make something beautiful, and she wanted a specific color, she wasn't able to do it herself. She would go to a dye maker. So the dye maker would take that fabric 
whether it be a white fabric or whatever the case may be, dip it into the dye, emerge it as the word baptismo means, and pull it out and it went from one color to another color. Hence, as believers, we're baptized in the blood of Jesus Christ. We're washed. For outside, folks, that's creepy and weird because they don't understand. But the clarity of it is this, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the shedding of blood, there is remission of sins. And so the baptism for a believer, our salvation is not through the immersion into water, you just get wet. The baptism is a recognition of the transformation that was within the person. Y'all follow me? Yep. It is a declaration that I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I once looked like this, and now I look like this. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are a new person. Paul said it this way when dealing with this baptism. Therefore, we are buried in the likeness of Christ. And then he said in his death, and then we're raised to newness of life. It's one color, and we come out another. And I'm going to tell you, you were one way, and now you're another. Salvation leads to immersion, and immersion leads to dedication. That's the third part of duplication. Now watch this. Don't miss this. You don't just stop with somebody saying, accepting Jesus Christ in your life. You don't just stop with them taking their next step and getting baptized. You go a little bit further. Go a little bit further. And then you, you, you start getting into the life and you start mentoring them. And then there's this dedication you start seeing transpire. Watch this. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. What does the word observe all things mean? Observe means to take action. We are to teach them to take action to duplicate just like you just duplicated yourself. Let me tell you something. Information without observation keeps us from transformation. They need to see something in your life and action take place so they can practice what they see. Paul said it often to the church. Do as I do. But if he ain't doing it right, don't preach it. This dedication has to be cultivated. To observe means to act. And to act means to go. And to go means to proclaim. And to proclaim means to duplicate. Let's finish with this. That is the mission. That is the target. If anybody walked out of here today and didn't catch on to what that is, there's only two reasons why. Either A, it's hot in here and you dozed off. Or B, you just didn't listen. I hope it's C, you walk away and go, I get it. This is my mission and it's only accomplished in these three ways. And if I'm not seeing a duplication, then I'm not fulfilling the mission. Y'all follow me? Yes, sir. He, he closes this beautiful charge to the church, to the people, these believers, Jesus, in uh, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. He says this at the very close, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. We are not alone. We're not doing this by ourselves. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing this as well. And Jesus is with us all the way through. Take confidence in this. We have a responsibility to fulfill the Great Commission. The question is, are you?